I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. The expanded Inside Sources. Great to be with you for the next two hours from 1 to 3 here on KSL News Radio. I am Boyd Matheson. I, I hope you're ready. I hope you're ready to dig a little deeper. Hope you're ready to think a little bigger, explore a little wider, challenge your assumptions a little stronger, and disagree a little better because that's what we strive to do on this show every day. So let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. Of course, a lot of the news today has been centered on the trial uh, in Minnesota. Uh, the jury has been deliberating for about 11 hours uh, in the uh, Chauvin trial, uh, in the uh, death of George Floyd. And uh, we're continuing to monitor all of that. Uh, we don't suspect they will actually get to a verdict today. I'm guessing most likely that will be sometime tomorrow uh, or later. It, it's going to take some time to just go through all of the process uh, and so, of course, we've been breaking that down as we've gone through the day here on KSL News Radio, looking at uh, what's being said, uh, what's happening, what people are preparing for, and uh, calls to begin already uh, with calm, uh, because we've we've experienced the opposite of that already. And so, when we think about what is happening with this trial, the thing that I want us to think again about is what's our individual responsibility. We talk about rights all the time. What is our individual responsibility when it comes to rhetoric? Uh, I am one of those who firmly and passionately believes that words have meaning and the meaning matters. And whether that's coming from an elected official or whether that's coming from an individual citizen, uh, it matters. And what we say does matter. And we can either add to the rage and the rageism uh, that I think is one of the real pandemics that we're dealing with around the world is this uncontrolled rage and our conditioning to react to it, not respond. We can choose a response, uh, but we are reacting visceral reactions to negative base um, emotions like rage and fear and frustration and contempt. uh, And all of those keep us so far distance from the conversations that we need to be having. Uh, Of course, uh, many have been talking today uh, about uh, Congresswoman Maxine Waters from California Uh, She's been in and around the city and has been talking uh, with protesters and with other groups. And if you're just uh, catching up on the news, I want you to just listen to the words first. And then let's talk about our responsibility, not hers. We'll we'll get to that. Let's talk about our responsibility in response. Guilty, guilty, guilty. And if we don't, we we cannot go away. What should protesters do? Well, we've we got to stay on the street, uh, and we've got to get more active. We've got to get more confrontational. We've got to make sure that they they know that we need business. So one of the things that I think is interesting, well, of course, many have been focusing on the idea of 
uh, we have to get more confrontational. That's clearly the inciting, the rage part of that. But I think it's also important for us to note and to think again about where she began that statement. Guilty, guilty, guilty. Uh, It is not up to a representative of Congress from the state of California to declare innocence or guilt uh, before this was before the closing arguments had even been made. Uh, That's that's not her job. Uh, And it's not any of our job. Our job is to listen, uh, to observe uh, and then to see what the jury does next. Uh, So, of course, uh, her the reaction to Maxine Waters and her comments Again, dialing things up, not dialing them down, drew a, a stunning uh, and stinging rebuke uh, from the judge in this case, Judge Cahill. I wish elected officials would stop talking about this case, especially in a manner that is disrespectful to the rule of law and to the judicial branch in our function. I think if they want to give their opinions, they should do so in a respectful and in a manner that is consistent with their oath to the Constitution to respect a co-equal branch of government. Their failure to do so, I think, is abhorrent, but I don't think it has prejudiced us with additional uh, material that would prejudice this jury. They have been told not to watch the news. I trust they are following those instructions. A congresswoman's opinion really doesn't matter a whole lot. So motion for mistrial is denied. So, again, that's the judge in the case, uh, a stinging rebuke of Representative Maxine Waters and Uh, He talked about it in terms of it being disrespectful to the judicial branch and that it is a failure of those in Congress. And here he was not referring just to Maxine Waters, but to all members of Congress who have been using this tragedy and the struggles of this trial uh, for political purposes, for fundraising, for positioning and posturing and driving wedge issues for campaigns. He said this is a failure of those members of Congress to uphold their oath to the Constitution. Now, of course, members of Congress have their First Amendment rights, to be sure. They also need to make sure they understand what it means to show proper restraint and proper respect, as the judge said, for the rule of law. Uh, How often do you hear members of Congress saying, well, we have to follow the rule of law, Uh, and yet they uh, are willing to flout that or to circumvent that in order to score some political points uh, on one of their opponents? Uh, finally, I want to go to a conversation I just had uh, with Maria Chaleos here on KSL News Radio uh, about what uh, President Biden has done today. Uh, that he did reach out to the Floyd family after after the jury had been sequestered and begun their deliberation. Uh, I think that the timing of that was very important. Uh, but the president uh, commented on that earlier today. I've come to know George's family, uh, not just. Uh, I'm in passing. I spent time with him. I uh, spent time with his little daughter, Gianna. You should see this beautiful child. Uh, And uh, his brother, both brothers, as a matter of fact. Uh, And uh, so uh, um, I I can only imagine the pressure and anxiety they're feeling. Uh, And so uh, I waited till the jury was sequestered. And... uh, and I called, and as uh, I wasn't going to say anything about it, but uh, Monius said today on television, and they accurately said it was a private conversation because uh, uh, Joe understands what it's like to go through loss. And um, they're a good family, and they're calling for peace and tranquility, no matter what that verdict is. 
train the verdict as the right verdict, which is, I think it's overwhelming in my view. I wouldn't say that unless the, the jury was sequestered now, not hear me say that. But so we, we just talked to them. I want to know how they were doing, just personally. And we talked about personal things. All right. Again, that's uh, President Joe Biden earlier today. Uh, and again, I do applaud the fact that he waited until the jury was in deliberations, that they were sequestered uh, before um, sharing that information, that conversation he had with the Floyd family. And this is an area where, again, whether you love President Biden's uh, politics or not, his policies or not, uh, when it comes to understanding loss and grief, uh, he has personal experience. Uh, and I think he shares that in a in a significant and a meaningful way. And we should all applaud that. Uh, so the takeaway for me from uh, what we should be thinking again about today is what's my role in this? What is my responsibility to show restraint, to have compassion, uh, to not just say something because I can say something, but to say something that will elevate the conversation uh, and help us defeat, again, this major plague of our time, which is rageism, this angst, fear, frustration, contempt. Uh, none of those lead us to where we can talk about all the issues that are encapsulated in this very trial that we're keeping our eye on. It's everything from addiction to race to criminal justice reform to policing to community breakdown to family breakdown. It's all encapsulated in this one thing. And so how we talk about it matters and how our leaders talk about it matters as well. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. Of course, we note the uh, passing of former Vice President Walter Mondale And it leads us to a conversation about the vice presidency, how it's changed, and uh, what's on the horizon for that role. University of Utah professor James Curry joins us next. Stay with us. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.